you're tuned into Decay Mag Podcast Online source for horror, thriller and sci-fi entertainment news Welcome everyone to another episode for DK Mag Podcast My name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com And joining me as co-hosts are Enid Artus, content contributor for DKMag.com, and don't forget to listen to our podcast on Google Music. Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. We're on Stitcher. Be sure to rate and review DKMag on Stitcher, rating our reviews, and help us rank. And in this episode, we have some exciting news. We'll be talking about Code of Chuckley, uh, the Rampage film adaptation. We also be giving some insight on Insidious, uh, some insight on James Wan's upcoming film, and some more information on the world of horror. We also be featuring an I- exclusive interview with Peter Hurd, writer-director for The Control Room, and an exclusive interview with actress Ruth Reynolds. She stars in the newly released found footage horror film Voodoo. Uh, We will also be reviewing some trailer reviews and much more, so stay tuned. Movies. Cult of Chucky completes production. Chucky's my friend till the end. Hey, wanna play? Can't we sleep in with you tonight? It's only a storm. (laughs) It's a doll. What's the worst that can happen? The wait for the new Chucky installment is over. After being on edge and patiently waiting for news updates since the announcement of the newest installment, director Don Mancini has taken to Twitter to inform the public that Call of Chucky has locked picture. While the final stages of production are commencing, we can rest assured that Cult of Chucky, the seventh installment in the Child's Play franchise, is certainly coming with a slated release date of October 20, 2017. Perfect date with Halloween being right around the corner. The the production is being directed by Don Mancini. He also writes the script. The cast stars, returning cast of Jennifer Tilly, reprising her role as Tiffany. Brad Dourif, reprising his longtime role as Chucky. Fiona Dourif, reprising her role as Nika. She was also in Curse of Chucky, the recent and sixth installment. Alex Vincent has returned to reprise his role as Andy Barkley. Summer H. Howell, who starred as Alice in Curse of Chucky, will return to reprise her role. As for newcomers in the cast, Grace Lynn Kong stars Claire. Michael Terriot stars Dr. Foley. Zach Santiago stars Carlos, Elizabeth Rosen stars Madeline, and Allison Dawn Doyeron stars Rachel. The synopsis, confined to an asylum for the criminally insane for the past four years, Nika Pierce, per- portrayed as Diona, uh, Fiona Dora, is erroneously convinced that she, not Chucky, murdered her entire family. But when her psychiatrist introduces a new therapeutic tool to facilitate his 
patients' group sessions, and all, all too familiar doll with an innocently smiling face, a string of grisly deaths began to play the asylum. And Nika starts to wonder if maybe she isn't crazy after all. Andy Barkley, portrayed by Alex Vincent, Chucky's now grown-up nemesis from the original Child's Play, races to Nika's aid. But to save her, he'll have to get past Tiffany, portrayed by Jennifer Tilly, Chucky's long-ago bride, who will do nothing, you know, who will do anything, no matter how deadly or depraved, to help her down. I have raved about Cult of Chucky since the announcements, and I think I am all out of words for how excited I am about this movie. So the, on that note, I'm going to pass it over to Anid and Ken. Now, I know we talk so much about sequels and remakes, and we are usually on a no-go with this subject, but I have been a long-time fan of the Child's Play franchise since the very beginning. I even stuck through the painful downfall of Chucky with Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, so that sums up just how dedicated a fan I am with this franchise. I would love to hear what you guys think about this latest install. Another Chucky movie? Yes, another Chucky movie. That's what uh, Stacy was saying in her report. Another Chucky movie. And uh, this one has been in production for quite some time and I'm surprised that the film has wrapped up so quickly really that fast <laughs> yes yeah. yes that fast. that's a good thing exactly you see I I only seen Chucky part one and uh, the one with Jennifer Tilly that uh what was that one seed of chucky yeah uh, yeah that's i saw bits of that one i'm i'm not a fan of that one it became too uh, too much comedy in there uh part i mean it looks very well, comedy to me uh but i'm not a chucky. so much of a fan no no i like the the concept though the concept is original i oh. like it well jennifer started in part in uh bride of chucky she started off there because she was her bride i mean she was his bride you know and then in the seat of chucky they had yeah they had the seat like glenn or glenn glenda they had glenn glenda it's <laughs> seat of chucky right but she started off in bride of chucky that's the one that they had the <laughs> baby right yeah but and yeah. i'm still convinced that's not their baby Look at that! Yeah, no, I, I'm, I like the concept. When it first came out, it was kind, it was good, it was good, and it was ahead of its time because uh, it was original. I don't remember seeing any other creepy doll horror film during that time. I don't think I don't remember. I think Chucky may have been one of the first, or the or the first. But um, yeah, let's see how this new sequel, this new part of the film, is gonna be. Like I was saying, something just interrupted me. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the of the Chucky series. I think it was original in the beginning, but that's about it. Uh, any closing remarks, uh, Anit? Well, I hope all goes well and hope the movie comes out good. I mean, I'm not too much of a fan of Chucky, but for those who likes it, yay, it's coming out soon. <laughs> 
she's back. A, you see, Stacy's excited for Chucky. I'm very excited. excited. Like ever since, like Chucky is back. You know, like with Curse of Chucky, he, like he fell off a little bit with Bride of Chucky. See, check out. I was like, oh, this is horrible. But with Curse, I mean, with Curse of Chucky, he came back. I was like, yes, Charles Lee Ray is back. <laughs> He's back. Wow, she's yes. a hardcore fan right here. Wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I guess we don't. Uh, uh, Indeed, we cannot ask the question. Stacy, have you seen Chucky? She good. <laughs> she already knows. <laughs> we already know the answer to that question. I'm so excited. <laughs> and when is this? When is this next installment uh, come out? Did, did they state it, in the report? The date is October 20. Wow, right around the corner. Right around the corner. Yep. Cool. Yes. Uh, we look forward to it. Hopefully, we'll get to, uh, if we get to review it, I know who to pass it on to. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Stacy. Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rampage video game film adaptation. Okay, so the taste test didn't go quite as well as we would have liked. As you can see, we've had some negative reaction to Scum Soda from a few individuals. Scum Soda is going to be huge! We'll launch on schedule and Scum Labs will make billions! These little incidents are... NOT A PROBLEM! We have another update, and this time it's about Rampage the movie. According to the deadline, the new cast addition for this film has decided to leave his dearest bat Lucille for a while on The Walking Dead to join the cast of Rampage. And his name is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Morgan will play Agent Russell who works for a cover government division called OGA and rolls with a serious swagger and attitude. As we inform you on our last podcast that Dwayne Johnson and Naomi Harris and Joe Mangello are also part of the cast, the movie is based on the classic 1980 video game featuring apes and monsters destroying cities. This movie is directed by Brad Payton and is set to release in theaters April 20th, 2018. Stay tuned to DKMag.com as we will be providing updates. What do you guys think? I grew up playing those retro video games. I remember uh, putting the quarter in those games and video games changed so much. There's no more arcades. All you have is PlayStation 4s and X-Bones. But uh, I remember Rampage. I was never a fan, but I remember the game. That's going to be very interesting how they're going to tie the game into a film adaptation because if you remember the trailer that we just played not you know a couple of seconds ago before this introduction that was a trailer to one of the video games and in that particular game the participants of a soda tasting uh group they they're the ones who change into the monsters so let's see if they have anything like that in the script so what do you think about this stacy the rock and now we have another member of the cast. Well, I still have yet to see The Walking Dead. Yes, I know, I know. Um, <clears throat> but 
every time I hear the way Joss and I, I always just go back to like, ah, at one point he was the rock, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he was the rock. And we and all knew why he was cooking. Huh? And we all knew why he was cooking. Yeah. No, what was he cooking now? He was cooking bacon. Nah, the nice body that he has. <laughs> I still want to know to this day what he was actually cooking. I mean, we can all say like a can of whoop ass, you know. That's what we assume he was cooking. But I want to be specific. Like, what were you cooking all these years? You know, but um, yeah, like I said, I mean, Dwayne Johnson, he's an awesome, he's turned out to be an awesome actor. So um, I still have yet to watch Walking Dead. But uh... You know, one of these days I'll get caught up. Yeah, you ain't missing much with The Walking Dead. Uh, you know, uh, this new character, he's not going to get killed and Rick is going to put him in jail. That's it. This, that's the season is over. There, there's your spoiler, everybody. Negan is not going to die. He's going to go to jail. Okay, moving along. Uh, the Rock is a good actor. And uh, I don't think... I mean, he's had a few duds, right? He? He's had a few bombs. Who? The Rock in his movies. Like? Um, the traveling to the center of the earth. That it was a bomb. It wasn't that bad. That was bad. Box For you? But no, but in the box office, in DVD sales, it was a bomb. Yeah, but you have to do the bomb so you right. could bring come up, you know, yeah, but bigger. And yeah, then he did um, that that movie. What was it? Uh, that the, that Los Angeles had an earthquake. San Andreas. San Andreas. That was good. I liked that San Andreas. Um, and then he did. He's doing Ballers, which not not horror, but you know, is is pretty cool. He's a great so cool. Actor. You don't even watch it. Well, I stopped watching. <laughs> of course, but he's a good actor. I mean, he's the only wrestler who transitioned over to acting, and he stood. You know, he's the only one because Hulk Hogan couldn't do it. John Cena couldn't do it. You know, Kane. He only did two movies, and that was it. So the Rock, he he stood, he stood his ground. Kudos to him. Insidious for release date change. I went into Dalton's room. There was something in there with him. I know someone who can help. We took Trifield and EMF readings of the whole house. Wiring, alarm clocks. I don't think bad wiring is the problem here. I want to leave. I want to leave this house. What is it? Now we have some news, and according to Deadline.com, this news is about the next insidious uh, chapter, chapter four, and it centers around the release date for this film now it states that universal pictures and sony pictures are moving the release date for insidious chapter 4 from october 20th which you know centers around halloween and it would make sense so they're moving it to january 5th 2018 now they have another film from bloomhouse that is titled half to death that's opening on october 20th and here here's the problem here you know films that release in january 
if people don't know reader uh, listeners and readers don't know every film that releases in january these are the films that you know um movie studios don't have much faith in so having insidious in an october 20th release would make sense because you gotta get all the viewers that are you know anticipating a good horror film for the halloween season they were gonna go watch insidious and the record sales the ticket sales i mean rather would go up now by moving it to a january release date that's that's a pitfall so basically they just sealed the coffin on this franchise by moving this date and this fourth feature in the insidious franchise uh let's see here according to deadline it's replacing a spot from a previously uh, um untitled bloom house horror film and this next installment will be directed by adam robitel and he's notable for the film the taking of deborah logan and of course lynn shane is back and reprising her role as dr elise rayner uh, the parapsychologist who goes into these homes and conducts these uh, ghost hunting uh, sequences so the writer for this film is the co-creator leon wanell and we all know him from saw and he also wrote chapter three from insidious of course you have jason bloom uh, you know from bloom house he's on board on the project and oren per Hurley and also co-creator James Wan. So you um Enid and Stacy, your thoughts on this very ridiculous change. In my opinion, um doesn't make sense to change this film from Halloween to January, which you know all films in January are failures. So what do you think about this Enid? So they probably thought they were making a good movie, but then probably after they did it, wrote it, or maybe something along the way came. They were like, oh, let's release it in January because we're really making a piece of shit. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. What are you thinking? Uh, what are your thoughts about this, Stacey? Um, well, <clears throat> I feel the same way. I have not seen this Insidious past the first movie. I haven't even seen two you know so i'm actually kind of lost on what's been happening and everything and i need to get caught up but i honestly agree with you that uh, movies released earlier in the year are just bad yeah Not and the whole the whole point is um it's after christmas and it's after new year's so people and it's and it's winter so people are not going to travel uh to the uh theaters because it's after the holidays and it's cold nobody wants to venture to the movie theater so january has become a dumping ground for you know these movies they don't these you know in this case is sony and universal and they don't have faith in this movie as a product that's very very tragic now also okay now is insidious 4 being released in theaters like have they all been released in theaters past part one? Yes, they all have been released in theaters. <laughs> that lets you know how far back I am. Um, yeah. Wow. 
Oh, that's so bad. It's so bad. Um, yeah, that's that's not good at all. You see, and according to the report from Deadline, um, Half to Death is taking the place of Insidious for that October 20th release. And it's another Bloomhouse production and is about a, a group of college... Well, it's about a college student who relives the day of her murder in both its unexceptional detail and terrifying end until she discovers who her killer's identity is. Now, this is not a this is not an original concept because Jake Gyllenhaal did the same exact thing in a film that he was a time traveler and he was on a train and he had to stop the bomber from killing all those people on the train. So this is not an original film. Come on. Yeah, I remember yeah. that film. Yeah, and didn't um, Denzel Washington go back in time and he was trying to catch a killer as well and he had to repeat the day again and again? Mm-hmm. And we also have Tom Cruise in the future. Yep. So, so this piece of shit that they're saying half to death, come on. I'd rather watch Insidious than watch this crap up for Halloween season. What are these people thinking about? I don't know. I mean, probably they think one of them is going to do good and the other one is going to do bad. It's up to them. They're crazy. They think that they're going to trick the public. Yeah, I see. I, if I were in there, if I were controlling this, I would put half to death in January and put Insidious for October. Definitely. Yes. Yes, and then you have Annabelle. I think she's going to be coming out in October too. So you have Annabelle, you have Insidious, and you have all these good horror movies coming out for the season. That would make sense. I feel like all horror movies should just come out in October, close to, you know, Halloween. Exactly. That's how I feel. That's exactly. How I feel. They all should. Yeah. Isn't, uh, well, no, actually, the new It is coming out in September, correct? Is it September? Yeah, about September. Well, of course, they may okay. push it forward or back, but it's around that time. If they hit yeah. October, it would be even better. Yeah, all horror movies should come out in October. It makes perfect sense. It does. I mean, like, if it's a like, holiday-themed movie, like Black Christmas or something, okay, around Christmas time is suitable, you know. Thanksgiving, you know, that makes sense. But most horror movies should come out in October. 31 soundtrack now available. And you may think you see a grease-painted reformer sitting before you, but trust me, I'm not here to brighten your dismal day. I am here to end your miserable life. All in all, you've had a pretty good run. The 31 soundtrack has been released and is now available on Amazon. The details, as well as the great tracks from within the film by the James Gang, Kitty Wells, the Mamas and the Papas, Leonard Skinner, Ernest Tubb, and more. The soundtrack includes the score music from Zombie and John 5, and many of the iconic spoken word pieces, including Doomhead's I'm Not Crazy, I'm In Control, and his, mo- and his monologue from the film's opening. Rob Zombie's 31, released in 2016, 
following a group of carnival workers who are abducted and held hostage in a controlled area where they are forced to play a deadly game where they must battle a horde of sadistic clowns. Guys, just hearing that intro gave me the shivers. I want to know, what did you guys think of the film if you watched it? And what do you think of the soundtrack if you've heard it? I have yet to see uh, 31. I have yet to see 31. I think I'll watch it uh, this week. Because I've, I've read your review, uh, Stacy, And uh, I, you enjoyed it a lot. So it has a lot of violence and it's the, the type of violence that we need in, in horror movies I mean creative violence not just you know violence just to put it on the screen so you know I'm not a big fan of Rob Zombie's films because he always tends to uh, put uh, what's that word like a redneck type of feel to the films uh, like Halloween for example but um House of a Thousand Corpses was was very, it was very different. Oh wow, that was very engaging. I have to watch Thirty One, definitely. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know what is it about. Alright. So basically, Thirty One is about a bunch of clowns, who you, I mean, you're thrown into this game where a bunch of clowns are trying to kill you. It's like Manhunt, like the video game Manhunt. But instead of gangs, it's clowns. Really? Clowns? Oh, I feel sorry for the people who are afraid of clowns. Yeah, it's always, cl <laughs> always clowns. Always. Always clowns. But these, and are these are sadistic clowns, okay? <clears throat> these are scary clowns, especially Doomhead. Oh, Doomhead was like creepy. And yeah, you like creepy. that voice that you heard in the beginning, that was Doomhead. And he just like, he sets the whole tone of the movie. <laughs> oh, and I'm not afraid of clowns. Me, no, no. I'm more so afraid of like dolls and spiders. When it comes to clowns, it's like, oh, you know. But that movie, I was like, oh, that movie made me hate clowns. <laughs> and I always, yeah, and I always said like one of my favorites was um the the midget that couldn't shut up talking. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, for real. Wait, who, wait, who was here? He was, um, not psycho head, special head. Uh, huh, which one was he? Sick head, sick head. Oh, it <laughs> was so annoying. Like, he was annoying but creepy at the same time. <laughs> you know, he just wouldn't shut up. Tom was like, oh, this little midget here. <laughs> like, would you punch? But he was creepy too at wow. the same time. You see, I gotta watch. I, I, I love survival horror films. Um, and Manhunt is one of my favorite uh, video games that, that deal with survival horror. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, so, I'm even surprised at myself that I haven't seen 31. You know? But definitely. And also, since 31 is available on Amazon, uh, I highly advise our readers to visit dkmag.com and in the in the accompanying article for this podcast we're going to have a picture of where you could get you know a picture link for Amazon and I highly suggest everybody to click on the link and make your purchase through that link because we'll get a commission um, out of each purchase and helping it helps two ways you're helping us 
in a way because we get a commission from the sale and also you're you know contributing to the filmmaker by purchasing their products so be sure to check out dk mag our accompanying article for this podcast and the way that they support us is by us providing you this wonderful podcast that we do weekly thank you thank you for that in clarification in it Fifth Element Fathom event. It's a great honor to be on this talk show. It's so great. Yes, I'm sure you're very excited, but I'm on my vacation. I don't want to be bothered. I prefer to remain anonymous. Here he is, the one and only winner of the Gemini Crockett Contest. This boy is fueled like fire. So start melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot, hot, hot. On April 7th, 2017, it was announced that Phantom Events and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment will present a 4K restoration of one of our favorite films, The Fifth Element. As we already know, this film came out 20 years ago. And audiences were amazed by the image and awesome adventures and to celebrate the anniversary of the great work that director Luke Besson did, the film will be presented in theaters nationwide for two days. The first day is on Sunday, May 14, and the second one is Wednesday, May 17. The showing time is 2 o'clock and 7 p.m local time for both days then the fifth element will debut on 4k ultra hd on july 11th here's what tom lucas from phantom events vice president of studio relations had to say few films have presented a sensory experience quite like the fifth element after opening at the number one at the U.S. box office, it attracted both critical raves and a cult following that has deepened during the past two decades. We are thrilled to bring, to bring it back to the so its well-deserved home on cinema screen for its 20th anniversary. Here's a brief description on the fifth element. In the colorful future, a cab driver unwittingly becomes the center figure in the search for a legendary cosmic weapon to keep evil and Mr. Sork at bay. If you're interested in watching this film, tickets can be brought online at www.fathomevents.com or at participating theaters. For a list of movie theaters, visit the Fathom Events website or simply just go to dkmag.com and we will provide you with the link. What do you guys think? This is one of my favorite movies. Chicken good! Chicken good! Oh my gosh, The Fifth Element. Oh, a perfect film. With all its mistakes, it is so perfect. That's that's my comment. Stacy, what do you have to say? <laughs> Oh, <clears throat> I have not oh. seen uh, The Fifth Element. I 
Of course, I recognize some names, but no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. She never let, met Lilu. Ah, uh, wow, that's an amazing film. I think I've seen this film like 50 times. More than 50, more than 50 times. More. I think we have, we even have it on the DVR. And it's, what is it, like five years ago? We, it was recorded and it's still there. <laughs> Oh, and man. I have it saved to my watch list. Go figure. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's amazing. It's so colorful. And it's oh, close to perfection. I mean, this is great that they've restored the film and they got to show it as part of a, a Phantom event. So anybody who has not seen it is going to be in 4K restoration. That You got to see the details. And uh, I think the film would even look so much better now after restoration. And this is a good thing. At least they didn't make a remake. They're restoring a film, which is great. People could appreciate the value of this classic. Yes, we do. Hopefully, uh, probably we'll go and support and watch this movie in the theaters in 4K to see how great it looks. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Can't wait. And yeah, Stacy, this is a perfect time for you to watch the film in 4K restoration. <laughs> I plan on it. Or you could just get it off Netflix. <laughs> hey, I got Shutter too. Well, wait, do I got? Yeah, I got Shutter, right? Yeah, I got Shutter too. Just so you know. Yeah. Well, this I'm is just Netflix. That well, yeah, that's, but this is more like a science fiction mm -hmm. comedy action. Has a little bit of everything. It has a little bit of everything, except for horror. But the costumes, the the makeup, the practical effects, the visual. Oh man! The way the chicken cooked on the microwave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. The way they thought how the future will be, twenty years ago, it's it nothing compared to no. how it's still looking right now. And Stacy, this is how awesome this film is because we all know. I'm not a, a, a fan of CGI. So I just found out while I was putting together this podcast, I would come across a video on the behind the scenes for Fifth Element. Did you know, Inid, the city? Do you know that's, that's, a, that's a real prop? That people actually put that together? That's a real model. Nice. Yeah, and then they put the CGI around the model. That's awesome. And the cars are models too, and they make it so it's not fully CGI. They have models flying in the air. See, and they did that 20 years ago where the technology is not as advanced as it is now. So I don't know what is the excuse of Hollywood keep on doing remakes and remakes. And using. When they have more technology nowadays. And then using technology to build robots and stuff. Look at these guys. The Fifth Element. Everything's a model, a project. Ah, nice. So keep an eye out, Stacy. I highly recommend this film. Will do. Lionsgate acquires James Bond Smart House. Lionsgate recently acquired a film titled Smart House. This film is based on a concept created by James Wan. And of course, we all know James Wan as one of the most leading directors, producers in the horror scene. And his list of horror films is everything from Lights Out to Saw. And according to The Hollywood Reporter, 
Andre Aja. He is the director from The Hills Have Eyes, Piranha 3D. He is going to be directing this film. And let me tell you, with this guy behind the camera, I'm assuming this movie is going to be very intense. So the script writer for Smart House is Brad Knee. Uh, hopefully that's the proper pronunciation of his name. And Brad wrote the script for The Grudge 3 and From Within. So according to the synopsis for Smart House, we're looking at a home invasion concept. And this film is as follows. The film will portray a world of smartphones and smart cars and a family in a witness protection program placed in the custody of a state-of-the-art state anonymous hot smart house. When a group of assassins locates the family, the smart house goes into lethal defense mode. So by reading this synopsis, the Purge Part 1 comes to mind, but also a slate of other home invasion concepts also come to mind. Mind you, home invasion films and the horror scene is one of the most frightening because it doesn't have to do with monsters or serial killers. This can actually happen in any situation, any place in the world. And that's what brings it that authenticity. And like I said, Andrea ha as a director, I have not yet seen uh, one movie that he has, well, yeah, Piranha 3D. Uh, so aside from that one, I haven't seen any other movie that he bombed. Uh, so guys, what do you think about this upcoming film that Lionsgate acquired, Smart House? Inid? A house the smart has weapons. Well, according to synopsis, it says the smart house goes into lethal defense mode against the assassins. So if it's like that, it means it has weapons. So, eh, I don't know. Have this? I don't. I, this has never been done before. No, but like I said, it reminds me of the purge because the house was kind of a smart house because it, it was like a safety house. But uh, this one, hmm, interesting interesting it hasn't been done before i don't think so but it it does follow the home invasion concept i mean i wouldn't mind having a house like this for like a zombie apocalypse or something like that and what would be the point of having a smart house well the synopsis reads that this is the future and i'm guessing they're playing on a social commentary being that we depend on our smartphones and smart gadgets is, as part of our life. So I'm thinking that's the social commentary there. I don't know. What do you think, Stacy? Um, well, as you said, this is different. It's, it's not something that's seen a lot. Um, <clears throat> when I think of it, I think of... I get the vision of um, what's the what's the system in Resident Evil Red Queen or something like that. The you know that's the vision I get, and um, it's different. And like I said, it's very interesting. But coming from James Wan, I don't know. <laughs> it's something a little different for him. 
you know? So <clears throat> I guess it's one of the things where we have to see how it pans out. Yes, definitely. I, I mean, James Wan, he's, he's like the godfather of horror right now. And yeah. uh, Brad Nee, yeah. The Grudge 3 and From Within, um, not a fan of those films. I think they were just uh, copycatting o o other films. So all we rely on is the concept and the direction of Andre Aja. Uh, and the concept, in my opinion, but I'm just saying it because I love the concept of a uh, home invasion. Well, yeah, when you think of James Wan, you think of The Conjuring, you think of Saw, you know, you think of Insidious, uh, but, um, and you think of all of those synopsis or the ideas of, them, and then you come to the smart house, you know, so it's a totally different, it's like at the other end of the spectrum, when you think of James Wan, at the totally other end of the spectrum, but given how great he is and how you know many films that he's given us that was just awesome you can't put it past him at the same time so it's one of the things where you just really gotta see it precisely precisely uh, i guess and according to holly reporter they're just stating that lionsgate acquired the rights uh no release date no actors as of yet so it's just it's pretty much in the in uh, pre-production uh, as we say in the film industry so once it goes into production and post-production I guess we'll see some more information uh, on this film so stay tuned to DK Mag as more information on James Wan's Smart House uh, develops Dario Argento writing new film Italian master of horror, Dario Argento, has two works in progress. This is exciting news. For those who remember, Argento hasn't had a work at, released in quite a few years. Not much information is known at this current time, as Argento is keeping under wraps. What is known that is that he is working with an American writer and will be filming in Canada. Argento is also reportedly writing on a new book, uh, Fairy Tales for Adults. Again, not much information is known at this time. Stay tuned for updates. Guys, uh, what do you think about this? As you know, we haven't heard from Dario Argento in quite some time. What do you guys think about this? I know, indeed. Uh, you're unfamiliar with Argento's work. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Does that answer precisely, huh? Yeah. Well, Dario Argento should come back to the horror scene. We need a visionaries such as him. And his work is phenomenal. I mean, you could go down the list. I'm not even going to go. You could go down the list, pick any film, and each film that he has done is like amazing. We need. Uh, directors that was going to reinvigorate horror in the mainstream uh, we have horror in the indie stream that you know it's really taken off because you have these young ambitious filmmakers and it's taken off very well 
so we need someone in the mainstream that would really push this envelope and I think with his two upcoming films I think this this is gonna be some wicked visions that he's gonna uh, whip up so what do you think Stacy uh, I definitely agree like you said he has countless masterpieces he is and a known icon in the horror so it's one thing it, he's like you know Wes Craven coming back to do you know Halloween this is very exciting news and I cannot wait to see what this is what he's got cooked up for us uh, both this film and this book of fairy tales for adults <laughs> how about that I mean I mean what is this fairy tale for adults gonna be is it like you know um miss muffin you know <laughs> stabbing out the spider's eye or something i want to know well um the fairy tale the wicked fairy tales concept that has been uh that has been done many times over and stacy you have actually met in the wizard world comic con the distributors for uh wicked fairy tales and uh from from your footage and speaking with them you have seen firsthand the artwork for these uh for these comic books and then you also have um todd mcfarland's line of action well model toys which is based off of the fairy tales and the way he creates these um action figures is like amazing detail and is wicked so let's see what type of uh, vision Argento's doing. Is he doing a bondage type of thing? Is he doing a, a straight up horror? Uh, mm. There's so many ways that he could have, and it's all gonna be good. Let me tell you, this guy's a visionary. I definitely agree. I am so excited to have him coming back. And yeah, it's great. So I need. You, uh, you're gonna you're gonna say one of uh, Stacy's famous lines for if you have seen any of our gentles films uh-huh. that's not her favorite that's not her line that's not her line <laughs> no you have to say her line that's her line oh <laughs> uh, look at that Nita's question he's like what line is it <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> Whatever we ask Stacy. Hey, have you seen this movie? Oh no, I haven't seen the movie. There you go. There hey, you go. All right, all right. See, all you have to give me was a clue. I don't have to give you a clue. Oh my I God. have not seen this film at all. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. put it on my list. There you go. Yes. <laughs> See, it came back to me. Yes. You woke up. <laughs> wow definitely looking forward to this the conjuring the non-casting developments class i'm gonna get you now i can hear you breathing you took your blindfold off i win i was in christine and nancy's room We have yet another update on the Conjuring spin-off movie, The Nun. And it's about the new addition to the cast, 
and this is the uh, and this person is an Oscar nominated actor Damien Bircher. This movie is based on characters from the James Wan The Conjuring movies. The plot details are being kept a secret as always as we already told you but Damien Bishwer will play a priest named Father Burke who is dispatched by Rome to investigate the mysterious death of a nun. What do you guys think about this spin-off? Stacy, take it away. Uh, um, <laughs> after Annabelle's 90 minutes of fame. I don't even know if I want to see The Nun. Honestly. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to think about this. I just, um, I feel like they're going to rush it just like they did with Annabelle. You know, it's not going to be that great. And it's going to be a disappointment. That's how I feel. It's going to be a disappointment. I agree. I mean, there's only so much that you could do with The Conjuring. And they're trying to milk the franchise by doing so many spin-offs. Um, to me, I still stand by this. Marilyn Manson looks like The Nun. And that's what I thought it was when I saw The Conjuring on uh, in the theaters. I was like, oh, Marilyn, no, that wasn't him. But um, yeah, so I'm not feeling this film at all. Uh, they should just stick to The Conjuring... A storyline which is a semi semi based on true events uh, at least that gives you the viewer some type of anticipation for the next film but if you keep adding these spin-offs then it's gonna take away from the whole vibe of the film uh, of the whole franchise in general so what do you think Anit? Do you think the nun is gonna be good no I mean, I just noticed that we have been talking about James Wan, like, basically throughout the whole podcast. Right. He has Insidious. He has Smart House. He has The Conjuring. Didn't you listen, Any? He's considered to be the godfather of horror now. He's the, he's the man now. No, let the other guy come back. Argento, is it? Yes. Yeah. But also, it's also good to know that... James Wan has nothing to do with what Annabelle or well you know wait actually I take that back here he has something to do with Annabelle but he started with the Conjuring the Conjuring was great Conjuring was awesome you know what I'm saying so it's like all of this is falling back on James Wan starting with starting with the Conjuring and they're just Making all these it wasn't the crooked man supposed to get his own spinoff too? Yes, he is. That is that is in the works as well. So it's not James Wan himself that's you know what I'm saying, that's the problem. You know, he's great. And if he actually had like some partners, I feel like they could be better than what they are. But I mean it's just all these like you know, baby boomers, as you call them, that want to come in and just, you know, put their own imprint on movies and just totally get away from the origins 
that's pretty much what it is. They want to put their own imprint on it. They want to make their own stamp and they're getting away from the whole orders. They're getting away from the whole story. They're making it something that's their own and it's not even good. Exactly. It's a shame. Like I said, the, the Conjuring is gonna lose its whole vibe it if is. they with all these spin-offs. Come on, really? So the next mm -hmm. time, next time they're gonna release the Conjuring itself, people are not gonna see it because they were just so Annabelle was a dud, then the Nun, then Crooked Man, then Crooked Toe, and the Crooked Nun. Come on. And then James Wan should retire. No, uh, James, no, he's still no, young. Not, yeah, it's not he's James still Wan. Young. He's not, he's no, he's awesome. It's not James Wan. He's awesome. Yeah. These are coming from the mind of James Wan, pretty much. Right. They're taking his they're ideas. Going, yeah, and just making it their own. They're just like taking his ideas, making it their own, you know. But it all started with his own masterpiece. What he started it as, like as you can see, like. James Wan don't really have anything to do with them. He started with The Conjuring, and then they took it off. They took it off. They just, you know, he might be back there in the limelight, kind of like, you know, okay, I'm here, kind of directing things, but, you know, he's not the showrunner in them. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Like, if he was front and center, if he was the director, they probably would be much better than what they are. I mean, it's like, okay, I've, I've already mentioned um, uh, John Carpenter coming back to do Halloween, right? Uh, we, I love Rob Zombie, but look, come on. that His whole remake of Halloween was like, no, what was that? Now John Carpenter coming back to do Halloween, it's like, yes, thank you. He will get it back to his roots how Halloween was meant to be, what it was supposed to be. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's see. Let's see. Just like Anit says, let's see how how is it's going to be. Phoenix forgotten. <gasps> what is that? Oh my god. Okay. Five, six, seven, right. Weird. You ever seen this before? So, what do you think that was? I don't know. Ashley, what I was that? Know. I don't know. What what was was it? It? I'll tell you what it was. I know what it was. The Phoenix lights flew southeast, which is exactly where we're headed. How do we get there? Are you serious? News has just surfaced for this upcoming film titled Phoenix Forgotten. The film is produced by Ridley Scott and Wes Ball and T.S. Nowlin. So the film is based on the true events that occurred in Phoenix, Arizona and Sonora, Mexico. So on the evening of March 13th, 1997, a series of unexplained lights in a circular pattern or semicircular pattern appeared over the sky over Arizona and Mexico and these lights stood in the sky for a good a good while it wasn't a comet it wasn't a star or, or passing plane so this was a mass 
UFO sighting. The news covered it. Government officials were forced to provide answers. And the mayor of the city even came out and said that he found who was the source behind these lights. And when he called the person to the stage who was responsible, he was making a mockery out of everybody that had witnessed the sighting by having a guy come out in an alien uniform and he was like, oh, surprise, he was an extraterrestrial and the guy had to remove his costume and they made it all into a joke. Because of that, um, there was a, you know, people just got upset with the government. So Phoenix Forgotten, based on the trailer, it's like a found footage film. Well, it is a found footage film. And here's the synopsis. Phoenix Forgotten tells the story of three teens who went into the desert shortly after the incident, hoping to document the strange events occurring in their town. They disappeared that night and were never seen again. Now on the 12th anniversary of their disappearance, unseen footage has finally been discovered, chronicling the final hours of their fateful expedition. For the first time ever, the truth will be revealed. So in my opinion, Phoenix Forgotten, I'm not a fan of found footage. So this is just a typical found footage type film where you see the camera shakes and you see the characters acting crazy because something weird happens. So yeah, you guys, uh, what is your opinion on Phoenix Forgotten uh, based on <clears throat> this summary? UFO, UFO sighting? Yes, and you've seen this. Let me pull up a picture I need, so that way you would... Uh... Here you go. That is a picture I need of the actual sighting in Phoenix. So, do you remember that footage? It's been shown so many times. That was a long time ago. Yeah, see that? Yes, that was a long time ago. So, what do you think of this found footage film that they're making be uh, because of this? Why now? Why not? How many years after? I would have done it right when the thing came out. That was, that, but uh, I don't think found footage was as popular back then. I think only Blair Witch was out. Yeah, but what's the concept of letting people know now? The concept is, have you noticed there's a lot of UFO movies coming out now? A lot of them. Yeah plenty of them so maybe this is some type of subliminal conditioning for us that something may be happening what's the message aliens are arriving <laughs> what's your comment stacy on this uh, situation <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay <clears throat> get serious but uh yeah well i mean i could Beg the question not to, but as you said, like more paranormal films are coming out nowadays. More people who have cited things years ago, decades ago, coming out. I mean, just look at you know, I just watched recently watched Ghost Watch, and even though like that was filmed back in you know the 1990s and everything, and it's finally being released here in America, in the U.S., you know. 
Um, I feel like you could go both ways with it. I mean, you want so badly to see that proof of paranormal activity of a poltergeist or what have you, you know. These films that come out, they seem to be more hoaxes than anything. They seem to be more entertainment than anything. You know, a lot of them are dramatized for entertainment purposes. But you still, like, hang on to that, like, you know, what else? That is so true. And um, have you do you, have you ever seen footage for the Phoenix Lights that that happened in 1997, Stacy? No, I haven't. Oh, Google it. I mean, it's been in every uh, UFO type of TV show. I mean, there is no explanation, and it did not happen once. It happened twice. So do you see this mile long? semicircular cluster of lights if that was a ship mind you that that ship was huge but nobody has any questions i mean if they would have did like a found footage film uh something better than found footage if they would have made a film that that closely associates with those lights i would give it consideration but found footage come on that's just a cheap gimmick in my in my point of view yeah, found uh, footage. Um, you already know the few that I've seen that I really like. I really, you know, praise like voodoo and whatnot. But uh, found footage in itself is uh, it's not the best of films out here. It's more entertainment than anything. They make it so where you feel like it's real. You know, you feel like you're in the movie or anything, but at the end it's not. And then most of them are not that entertaining. They're not that entertaining at all. You're just like, okay, all you did was run through the woods. Exactly. That's all you did. Like, what else is there? I saw a bunch of flashing lights and running through the woods and you screaming, what are you running from? Exactly. What is it? <laughs> I mean, you just finished reviewing Chupacabra Territory. Found footage. Oh, Found footage, okay. right? It was about the chupacabra. No. Come on, really? Don't oh. remind me of that. I'm just like, what is it? Like, you know, you know what's supposed to, and like I said, me, the chupacabra is one of like my favorite creatures out there. You know, I love any movie that comes out about the chupacabra, I'm on it because it's one of my favorites. So to see that, I'm like, okay, this has to be good. You know, it has to be good. I've seen pretty much every Chupacabra film that came on sci-fi. But this one, I'm just like, oh. like I said, most of it is just the running from whatever it is. And there was one like, part in the movie where they were pranking each other. They were pranking each other, pretending to be, you know, the Chupacabra, but it was really them pranking. I'm just like, you bastards why <laughs> why would you do this <laughs> you know and after that it's like after you seen this it's like okay they're just being stupid again they're just pranking each other again that's all they're doing so when you finally see what you're supposed to see it's like well i didn't really see that much of it it was more so of a glimpse than anything exactly and i think this is the same direction 
Phoenix Forgotten is doing. And I've got to mention Skyquakes. If you're going to make a good film about UFOs and aliens, Skyquakes is a film that people should just should take a note. That deals with psychology, that deals with the alien phenomenon, that deals with good acting, good script writing. Phoenix Forgotten uh, is just a regular uh, found footage and uh, mind you, it's directed and written by Justin Barber and the uh, co-writer is T.S. Nolan. So guys, uh, Barber and Nolan, if you've got to make a film that chronicles a UFO event or alien phenomena, found footage is not the way to go. Use good script writing and good filmmaking. That's my take. Exclusive interview. Peter Heard, writer, director, the control group. If this agency is going to use this drug for overseas interrogations, why are they using college students? You're not my highest priority right now, as you should well know. Did you just wake up? Yeah. More importantly, where the hell are we? Some kind of hospital. If this was a hospital, we would have found an exit by now. They don't want us to find a way out. The Control Group is a newly released action horror science fiction film. The synopsis reads as follows. Trapped in an abandoned insane asylum, five college students and a rogue scientist who abducted them must band together when a supernatural threat appears. The Control Group is very interesting. I enjoyed the concept. And if those listeners interested in reading my review for the control group please stop by at dkmag.com d-e-c-a-y-m-a-g.com and just type in control group and it will direct you to the review for this film with that said the control group is directed and written by peter hurt and the film is interesting let me tell you the concept of unsuspecting test subjects thrown into a situation where they don't know where they are um, against their will in some type of secret experiment that ties into a lot of real life situations i could describe mk ultra programming by the u.s government but the control group does touch on that and i enjoyed that concept the film also provides some good practical effects very enjoyable practical effects but the uh, special effects were questionable. I'm not a big fan of glowing red demon eyes. Uh, that's not my thing. Uh, more into the practical effects and that's the shining moment for this film. So without further ado, here is my interview with writer-director for the control group, Peter Hurd. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ken Artus from DK Mac, and joining me this afternoon is director and writer uh, Peter Hurd, and his latest film is titled The Control Group. It's an action, horror, slash science fiction film. Be sure to check it out. It's on Amazon Video and Video On Demand Services. Thank you for joining me, Mr. Hurd. Thank you for having me. Right. And uh, I'm going to open up the question uh, with the with this question. 
there are many true cases of clandestine experimentation, like MK Ultra being the most talked about. Did this serve as a foundation for this uh, film, The Control Group? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the situations we have in our film are pretty fantastic and over the top, you know, a little bit more than what I think would happen in real life. But yeah, we definitely looked into some of that, some of the old uh, government uh, experiments and illegal human experimentation, um, something I've I've always been interested in. So we did throw some of that in, into the film. Well, thank you. And um, with any film, there's a level of research that comprises into the plot and the characters. So while composing this research, were there any things, uh, discoveries made along the way that you uh, influenced this film? Yeah, there was some, this is an interesting film to do the research on because there's so many different things to research because the plot has a lot of different elements to it. So there was the government experimentation um, that you mentioned. We just definitely researched that. There was also um, a supernatural element to the story. So we did research a lot of things about astral planes and out-of-body experiences and that kind of thing. So that was very interesting to learn about. And then we also, it takes place in an abandoned insane asylum. So we had to also do some research on the history of the asylum that we were shooting in the Kirkbride Mental Hospital in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. And we found some pretty pretty horrific stories from um, that asylum's past. Like in one case, a woman had been uh, left in a tub overnight, a, a tub of hot water with her with her hands and arm, arms tied down. And when they took her out after being leaving, leaving her there overnight, her skin had literally boiled off and she died from that. So there was a lot of kind of horrifying, tragic backstory to the asylum we shot and that was very interesting to learn about. That's, that's insane. Uh, yeah. Wow, that is very insane. And uh, filming, well, I'm going to jump ahead since you mentioned mm-hmm. the film location. Um, did you guys experience any weird uh, phenomena while filming at the location? Yeah, not as much as you'd think, but we definitely had, like, some items go missing or be moved in the middle of the night, and who knows, maybe with the asylum being so big, someone could have easily been squatting in there, and we didn't see them, but I do remember one night, I went outside during a break in filming, and I looked back up at the building, and we had turned the electricity back on for the shoot, and we had all the all the lights had been left on in the building, so there were lights on up in the fifth floor where our crew never went, no one should have been at that time. And I saw a shadow moving past the windows, like someone walking by them on that floor. Wow, that that's yeah. freaky. That is freaky. That 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 goes for some behind the scenes uh, segments for this film. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> um, now, the, the interesting part of the film were the test subjects. So why the creative direction and having a group of college students as opposed to, let's say, a group of homeless people? Yeah, um, that's actually a bit of dialogue from the film. They talk about why they don't use homeless people. And the answer is that because they're they're young, they're healthy, they know they're not going to die right away from the after effects of these drugs, but their minds are still very malleable. So they're subject to being controlled by these experiments. So that's the explanation that's given in the film. Oh, thank you. And for in the control group, you have the supernatural elements, you have the sciences, both are antagonizing forces. 
So in this, this is unique, by the way. So how did this concept come into fruition? Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting back and forth between me and the screenwriter. We developed the story together, and then he wrote the script. But we started with the location, the asylum, and then we began to think about stories that could take place there. And the obvious example was like a ghost haunted house story. And then we thought, oh, what about the government experiment thing? <clears throat> Excuse me. And we kind of thought each element was a little, ah, sorry, I got to take a splatter. Sorry about that. Edit that out later. Um, so we kind of thought each element was a little too cliche on its own. So we started to think of the idea of just combining them and, uh, you know, it, taking elements of all of them we thought would be very original and something that audiences hadn't seen before. Thank you. And um, one of the impressive aspects is the camera work. And in one, one particular scene, uh, where there's some gory uh, things going on, not to give away to spoilers, you have the mm -hmm. action off camera. And then when the deed is done, that's when the guy, you know, he picks up uh, the body part that he uh, cuts off. So yeah. can you give us some insight on, on using that type of camera work instead of just going full on gore and horror? Yeah, and I mean, a lot of that is equal parts creative and budget-based. You know, on the budget side, if you don't show what's going on, you don't have to pay for an effect for it. And on a low-budget film, any anytime you can cut something out, that's always good. Um, but on the creative side, I think it makes it a little creepier to have things you can't see, you can't imagine. You know, it's kind of like the old saying, you can't shut your, your mind's eye. You know, something that you just see on screen, you can almost ignore, but something that you imagine yourself is going to stick with you. And it's more horrifying that way. That is absolutely true, because yeah. we just want a picture in our heads. What's, what's going on with this poor fella? Yeah. Um, so the main focus is uh, the experimentations. Um, can you shed some light on the antagonizing force of these government officials? Uh, what yeah. is their deed actually, like their basis behind this experimentation? Well, that's kind of part of the mystery of the film, so I don't want to give away too much on that side, because <laughs> right. as, we, as we learn through the film, there's even different factions within the government groups, so there's kind of a cover story of what they're doing, and then there's what Brad Dorff's character, Dr. Broward, actually wants, which is sort of a separate experiment, so I don't want to give away too much of their motives, but it's uh, some classic mad science material, I'll say that. Indeed it was, and um, one, of the, one of the interesting things of the, of the control group is uh, you have the revenge factor, you have the betrayal factor. Um, mm -hmm. How did all these components come together in the, in the initial screenplay? And at first, very uh, jarringly, I'll say. So we kind of, when the script started coming together, it was a little weird. It kind of felt like parts of different movies just sort of stitched together like a Frankenstein monster. But we kind of found ways to tie them together in different interesting ways. And a lot of it was sticking to kind of a classic three-act structure and, you know, sticking to the classic beats of a story so that the structure is very familiar to an audience. <clears throat> But then the actual events happening on those beats is very unexpected. So we often, it, it kind of feels like it's predictable, 
it, you feel like you know where it's going to go, and then it goes in the last direction you'd possibly imagine, and that's because the the structure is very familiar, but the events are not. And how difficult was it? Uh, you mentioned it being two different topics, being a, a cliche, each in, a, in their own right. So how difficult mm -hmm. was it to stray away from cliche uh, tonalities? Yeah, it's always it's always hard to avoid cliches, especially in horror. And I mean, I'm I'm of the mindset that a few cliches here and there are are fine, and and um, a lot of it is just how you combine them. So that was a big part of what we did with this film was taking cliches, but from movies that are or genres that are completely different. So when you put them together, they kind of feel fresh just because you haven't seen them together in the past. Precisely. And uh, can you please share some insight on the practical effects? I think that was one of the shining components of this film, uh, the the makeup work and the the props. Uh, yeah, share some insight yeah, on that and you. the crew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the we wanted to stick to practical effects as much as possible. I mean, my initial thought was to stick completely to practical effects and not have any CGI. But as we got into the script, I kind of realized that wasn't going to be possible, especially on our budget and schedule. So there actually is quite a bit of CGI, but our visual effects team was also a fan of practical effects, and they wanted their work to look as much like a practical effect as possible. So a lot of scenes, and again, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but a lot of them involve building a practical kind of gore or makeup effect, but then adding to it with CGI in post. So it's kind of a cool thing where it looks very fluid, it looks extremely realistic, but it still has the kind of grit of a practical effect. Mm, very interesting. And you're not the first the uh, filmmaker who has uh, stated the use of CGI just to enhance the visual as opposed to just inserting it there to just to put a yeah. prop. Yeah, I think that always looks more natural because CGI to me never quite looks real because I think part of my brain <clears throat> recognizes that it isn't. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes, it does make sense. And we can see it in some of these Hollywood uh, big budget films. And you could tell the werewolf is not, not not up to par what it should look like. Yeah, exactly. And speaking about CGI, um, if the time constraint weren't an issue and monetary wasn't an issue, you think you could go full practical effects? Is that a possible nowadays with horror? You know, I maybe would have thought that before shooting this, but since going through that experiment experience and seeing what all can be done with CGI, I don't think I'd want to. Because there's just so much we can do now. You know, the as much as I love like old 70s and 80s horror movies, there's always things about them that bug me. You know, like, oh, I can see the string there or... I can see how that was done. So with CGI, you can fix a lot of those problems and go beyond what you've seen before. Interesting. And um, now, going back to uh, my regularly scheduled uh, questions, uh, we were talking about the location. So mm -hmm. uh, what were any setbacks on these filming locations? And how did that hinder the production in any way? And what were, as a matter of fact, what were one of the funniest moments on the set? Yeah, so the location was great. The Kirkbride Insane Asylum in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and the city was very helpful. I think the biggest 
problems with filming there were first that it's just a huge location, 600,000 square feet. So finding ways to move your crew and equipment through that much space is always hard and making sure that people don't get lost, that everyone knows where in the building they should be and how to get there. That's a, that's just became a huge ordeal in and of itself. So the location itself was a challenge. And then it was just, it was run down. It was very dirty. You know, there were some parts we couldn't even film in because it had black mold growing all over, you know? So I think the location itself was both our greatest strength and our greatest challenge in filming the movie. Wow. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. So the, so the environment is you take it away uh, from the typical experimentation where you have a clean, a sanitized location, and now you're having this mm -hmm. grimy location, probably secluded in the mountains, for all we know. Yep. So how yep. did this living environment itself come into being? Yeah, and that's what was so great about filming location, where I was saying about it being our greatest strength, was that we really didn't have to do much in the way of production design or set dressing. I mean, we did have a great production design team, and they brought a lot to it. But the location itself was kind of already dressed. You know, you don't have to paint on the mold. You don't have to add anything. And it's all 100% natural. So not only is it easier to do, it also looks more realistic on camera. It could have fooled me. I, I basically did not really initially thought that it was uh, hmm. all that creepy looking in there. Uh, okay that's, that's pretty creative and um yeah. for the production you wore many hats you were the uh the, the director writer uh would you approach your next project in the same way i think well so the biggest challenge on this one is that i was both the director and the sole producer which is a lot of responsibility and it's too many fires to put out all at once so my next film I'd like to still direct. I'd like to focus more on the writing, but I'd also like to have a experienced team of producers around me to be able to handle the day-to-day -day jobs of producing. Definitely. They do come in handy, especially when you have uh, 20 different things happening at the same time. And I'm sure yeah. that's, that's what happened on set on any given day, correct? Yeah, exactly. It was just too many too many directions for me to be pulled in all, all at once, you know? So it would be good to have an experienced producer on, on my next project. Cool. And uh, your experience on the indie horror scene, uh, a lot of filmmakers state that it's very intimate and you just uh, elaborated well, one aspect. Uh, do you find this to be the passion? Do you like this niche uh, that you're working in right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge, huge horror fan, a huge indie horror fan. There's not a lot going on in mainstream horror that really excites me. So I love all the, these indie horror films. It's, um, um, it is, like you said, a very small kind of intimate community just because there's not very many people who do it, but they're all very passionate about it. So it is something I'd like to stay in for the time being. Well, great. I'm definitely looking forward to the next project. Thank you. And uh, one question on, on funding. I know with any indie filmmaker, especially in horror, funding is always an issue. So what is your opinion on these uh, crowdfunding platforms to establish funds? Yeah, I mean, it's something we tried to do in post-production, and our, our 
crowdfunding campaign didn't go through, but we were able to find financing from private sources eventually. I think there's pros and cons to both sides. I personally don't like crowdfunding all that much um, just because I feel like if it was a viable project, there would be other ways to get it funded. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that are being funded through crowdfunding that are more smaller kind of passion projects that don't really have much of a monetary upside like for an investor so it's helping to create a lot of new things but um maybe for some people it's it's kind of dragging their projects down because they have to adjust their budgets downward and they have to um give up so much of the project in advance to uh, lure these um donors so it has its ups and downs it, it all i think it all depends on the size of the project and how viable you really think it will be in the long term yeah, exactly. My sentiments exactly. It's it's either hit or miss. I've seen some projects on these platforms that do merit some award, and then they fall flat. And uh, on the on the flip side of the coin, you have these side projects that you know amass thousands of dollars. So it's, I guess it's yep. still in its infancy. Yeah, and it's exactly. It's so kind of wild right now. There's so many different ways to do things, and no one's really figured out a way to like build a business out of crowdfunding, for example, or everyone's kind of struggling to adjust to digital distribution. So it's such a kind of wild time in the indie film world. So it'll be interesting to see where things go. Exactly. And um, just closing out the interview, uh, the mm -hmm. platform is open. I uh, care to share some insight on your uh, upcoming film, the control group, and any upcoming projects you have in development that you wish to share. The platform is open. Okay. Yeah. So I'm currently working on a couple of upcoming projects. I finished both a feature script and a TV pilot that I'm pitching to producers and trying to get financing for. And then I have a short story being published on triggerwarningshortfiction.com at the end of May. And then um, I'm also writing my first novel currently. So I have a lot of um, different things in development. So I'm hoping there'll be big news on those. And then there'll be upcoming news on the control group comes out on DVD May 9th. And there'll be a small theatrical release in May as well. So if anyone's interested in keeping up with kind of everything I'm doing, the best way to do that is on Twitter. My handle is herd, H-U-R-D. Herd is the word 52. <laughs> That's pretty catchy. Herd is the word. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, once again, thank you very much uh, for your time for this interview. And I uh, really enjoyed the film, uh, especially yeah, with the practical effects. I'm a big practical effects uh, kind of guy, and that's one of the shining aspects for the film. Yeah, same here. So, yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. And once again, my name is Ken Artuz from DK Mag. And uh, best of luck to you and your endeavors. All right. Thanks very much. Exclusive interview. Actress Ruth Reynolds Voodoo. I fell in love with him, though. Life, man, she was so scary. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't believe in that kind of like voodoo stuff, but oh, there was something about her, man. I mean, she started like speaking in this weird language, then her like eyes started rolling in the back of her head. <laughs> Trust me, it was scary. You would have been scared too. Voodoo has released just this February of this year. 
It's directed by Tom Costable, who also writes the script. The film follows Danny, portrayed by Samantha Stewart. She travels to California to spend time with her cousin Stacy, portrayed by Ruth Reynolds, to get away from her stressful life. Yet what she runs into is a nightmare. I really enjoyed this film. I state my distaste on found footage films a lot, but this is one of the rare gems that break the barriers. It's actually part found footage, part traditional filming. The special effects were really good. Just enough gore to satisfy the tastes. I had the pleasure of an interview with actor Ruth Reynolds who portrayed Stacy, and she happens to be one of my favorite characters of the film. I love her laid-back personality and her ability to play both roles, both the good girl and the bad girl, as you will see when you watch the movie. You'll see how she transforms between both roles and does it really well. And without further ado, here is my interview with Ruth Reynolds. This is Stacey Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. Joining me today is actress Ruth Reynolds. Uh, Ms. Reynolds portrayed Stacy Cole in the horror film Voodoo, which released in May of this year. Uh, Ruth, I want to thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. Thank you for having me. Voodoo is quite an intense film, and I rave about it till this day. Likewise, I'm sure your role had to be just as intense. Yes, I mean, it definitely was being a part of, it was like part of the project, it was amazing, but discovering and discussing hell and having watching Samantha Stewart have to kind of go through that and portray her character as well. Was... Yeah, you hear some intense stories about actors really getting into character, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. What was your ritual for preparing for this role? Um, I mean, it was really just kind of stepping into Stacy. She was supposed to kind of just be living out in LA and living out her dream. And when her cousin comes in, she takes her in under her wing and kind of shows her around. And the hardest part really was just the animalistic features of like once I actually had to put on all the makeup and kind of become possessed. That's when it was like completely out of nobody knows what that feels like. So it's how do you portray that and how do you make it realistic? And acting in voodoo, it had to be just as scary for you as it was for me watching it unfold. What would you say was the scariest moment for you in character and filming the movie? Hands down, the very ending. I mean, I don't want to give it away. I want people to watch it, so I don't want to really spoil it. But definitely, like, the ending scene was probably the scariest thing I had to go through. Other than that, it would have been just really being in that house like the sets were very very real and so being in character and having to see some of that stuff and really believe in it and know that is part of who your character is it was really scary to kind of internalize and say I do have weird creepy heads hanging from my ceiling and that is who I am and I definitely agree and demon possession, in my opinion, is one of the scariest concepts in horror cinema when done correctly. And nowadays, it seems as though everyone is exercising this concept. What would you say is the successful recipe to these demon possession films? Making it as realistic as possible. I mean, he, Tommy did a really good job with taking the idea of voodoo and a voodoo charm and what voodoo can do if you use it in the wrong way. 
And so it is very realistic in the sense of how he kind of portrayed that, which is kind of cool. So possession, I mean, obviously watching films, there's tons of different types of possession. But I think Tommy did a really good job in his writing on figuring out how to make it very, very real and how where it came from, where it originated from. And so when she does become possessed, it's not just out of the blue and random. It actually came from a source. Looking at your filmography, with the exception of Witchula coming out next year, Voodoo looks to be your most intense role yet. Is it correct to say uh, Voodoo is your debut into horror? It definitely is my debut in the horror publicly. Reunion it was my first kind of movie I shot that was really super, super intense, and it'll be being released soon, too. But it's kind of the idea of Voodoo, like Reunion, I was tortured nonstop throughout the movie. So it was amazing. Um, a lot of fun. But Voodoo definitely was like that debut in the horror. And especially this type of horror. It's kind of horror and psycho thriller. So it was kind of a good platform to debut on. And uh, how how would you say uh, you progressed with the transition from comedy, drama, romance films to horror? Because I know you dwell in a lot of comedy, drama, and romance in your other films. <laughs> I definitely do. I Horror to me, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. We all get scared. Um, I love to make people laugh. I love to make people cry. But making people scared is just the same kind of thing. It's, it's fun. If you can really tell a story and you can watch somebody jump in their seat and that's something that you did to them, it's a cool effect. And it's, horror is definitely, it's a little harder because you have to let yourself be scared, which is what we defend ourselves from all the time. So it's really being vulnerable to allow that in. But it's definitely a fun genre to play in. Do you find yourself continuing a steady career in horror? I definitely see myself dabbling in it a lot. Most of the stuff that like I have coming out this next year is definitely more drama based, but I love horror films. I recently shot a 80 slasher type of film. And like I said, reunions coming out as well. And I have a couple psycho thrillers on the back burner. So hopefully I get to continue in that genre because it is a lot of fun. Thank you. And let's talk more about Witchula. How was that uh, project coming along? And can you kind of describe your character? I am super excited about Witchula. It's been on the, like, in the process of getting made, we definitely have a lot of really cool names attached. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's basically about these college students that kind of, end up getting themselves in trouble but my character specifically actually is pregnant and the kid is kind of what Wachula is after and so it's more following the storyline of the backstory of who Wachula is and why there is that connection and why it's not me but my baby um and so it's really it's really really fun especially the college age students you add a little bit more of that like I don't know, there's just something different about it. And with the cast and the crew, it's going to be amazing. Thank you. And I see on IMDb, it still says it's in production. doesn't really state a release date or anything. Do you know how far the production is? Hopefully sooner than later. We definitely, because we're still getting names attached and we've been getting extra little goodies along the way, they've kind of pushed production back a little bit. I know their perspective to shoot, hopefully either this fall or like this coming winter, but they haven't yet set an exact date. 
I do know it's a fast-moving team, so the moment we start shooting and actually get it going, it's going to be out very quickly. Well, I'm very excited. I can't wait for that to come out and watch it. Well, Ruth, the platform is open. Can you please share your social media, any information where we can tune in and keep in up to date on any upcoming projects, including Wichula? Of course. I post everything on my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I use the same hashtag. So basically, if you just put in R-U-T-H-I-E 3687, you'll be able to find me on any platforms of media. Thank you so much, Ruth. I would like to thank you again for taking the time with, to meet with me. Thank you, Stacey. My name is Stacey Cox, staff correspondent for DKMAC.com. Thank you so much. Video games. Friday the 13th game release date. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a clip for the Friday the 13th video game. Now, as we all know, the franchise, the film franchise for Friday the 13th is clearly not happening. So, a video game has been in development for the past year and Kane Hodder, the, the iconic actor who has portrayed Friday the 13th in countless episodes is portraying Jason Voorhees in this video game. What makes this video game so unique is the gameplay. One person, one gamer, would be controlling Jason and a set of gamers on the opposing team would be controlling the camp counselors. So the object of the game is a survival horror concept and of course for the for the camp counselors their objective is not to get killed you could just go onto YouTube and you will see the countless kill scenes in this game I mean this game is so violent it takes Friday the 13th back to its roots of how it's supposed to be enjoyed so what Hollywood didn't do the video game industry has done and done it even better so the video game is set to release on Friday, May 26, 2017. That's just around the corner. So, I'm surprised that Friday the 13th was not gonna be released on Friday the 13th. That would have been appropriate date. But in May, we're just a few weeks away and you could just pre-release this video game on GameStop. And let me tell you, this, gotta, this is gonna make me wanna buy a console just to play this game. And uh, let me tell you, it's great to see the concept for Friday the 13th finally come back into play. So Stacy, what have you seen the trailer and have you been following news updates on this Friday the 13th game? I have not seen the trailer, but I can just imagine how graphic the game is. 
uh, for what I've seen from other video games, I mean, I've seen Jason's um, Fatality or Mortal Kombat, and you know, just the video games that I have, I've already mentioned The Evil Within and everything. I can just imagine how graphic it gets. Yeah, it's very graphic and is very enjoyable. And as I said, May 26th, right around the corner for Memorial's uh, Day weekend, Kane Hodder's portraying Jason. And also, have you seen Jason Goes to Hell, Stacy? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't believe I've seen that one. I've seen the other than Jason X. The one I've seen before Jason X was Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, so you haven't seen Jason Goes to Hell with when he finally gets killed and he goes to hell and Freddy's glove comes out from the ground and takes Jason's max. That was so no, iconic. No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, yeah. And of course, the, the person portraying Freddy Krueger's glove was Kane Hodder. So that's, that's the only horror icon that has portrayed two roles of a slasher film. The awesome, that's... Yeah. So the reason why I brought up Jason Goes to Hell is because Tom Savini, I'm sure you're well acquainted with his work. He did, he did the practical effects in Friday the 13th Part 1 when Jason was a boy. So he returns with his original concept of Jason Voorhees after Jason comes up from hell. And uh, judging by these concept art, I mean, Jason is so demonic. He has fiery red eyes. His skin is like a scorching, like a lava blackish color. I mean, this guy looks demonic. Doesn't look like a serial killer at all. Very well put together. So I highly suggest it. If you have an Xbox One, PlayStation 4 or Steam, the digital download is running for 40 bucks. May 26, 2017. Outlast 2. And they're following the angels. Chains, Babylon, it's fallen. It's fallen. That breaks in it. Because she made all nations drink the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Outlast 2 will be releasing soon. An official release date has not yet been announced, but it will release on the Xbox One platform. The horror mystery thriller video game is directed by David Chateauneuf. Hugo Delaire, Philip Morin, and Simon Peacock. Written by J.T. Petty. The synopsis, investigative journalist Blake and his wife Lynn travel to the Arizona desert to pursue a lead on a popular suicide, but are soon ambushed by a mysterious and terrifying car. The Outlast 2 official trailer is very creepy. The burning of a cross with a loud and creepy voice 
The gameplay is just as creepy as the trailer. It shows as a first person walkthrough. It's very dark and intense. You found out you fall down a hole and end up in what looks like a tunnel of some sort. As you find the strength to stand up, you stumble around and find a camera. You come across a door, you knock. No one answers. You keep moving, you come across another door that's open. At this point, the video recording turns on and it becomes a found footage ordeal. You see a dead person. You grab something, knock on another door. Something on the other side knocks back forcibly. You decide to avoid it and you go a different way. Something in the distance is, or someone in the distance is screaming. You follow the voice, you open a window, a crow flies out. You climb through, the video camera goes dead. You keep walking, you come across what looks like a graveyard of crosses, surrounded by nothing but ground and trees. You come across a staircase, you walk down, you come to a creepy room, it looks like murder. You keep walking into another creepy room with crosses. One looks like it's made out of dead bodies. You leave out of the room and you come to a well and the gameplay ends. Can this gameplay walkthrough has given me the shivers and I feel like it's gonna give me nightmares. What did you think about this? Have you watched it? Yes, I enjoyed the walkthrough. I enjoy these survival horror games that don't in, uh, that don't that they don't use action sequences as the selling point. Here it is pure survival horror, and I'm assuming that your your weapons are limited, your abilities are limited, and you just stuck inside this crazy area where people are just they just they just want to kill you and your whole objective is to survive that is that's how survival horror should be and for those that haven't been following survival horror it's making a comeback because most of these game houses these uh these these game designers publishers figured hey let's put a call of duty type of uh feel into a survival horror game and that really killed it and resident evil was one of the video games that suffered from that bad decision and so was dead space one of my favorite games so I, i'm looking forward to outlast i i think in need i think we should buy playstation 4 so far we have friday the 13th coming out in may which <clears throat> that could make a very good uh gift and we have Outlast <laughs> that is coming out soon. So what do you think, Anid? These survival horror games coming out. I thought you said the only way you get a PlayStation 4 is Left 4 Dead 3 comes out. Yes, yes. I am looking forward for Left 4 Dead 3. But since Steam is not making Left 4 Dead 3, we have two exciting games right here. I'll think about it. Yes, think about it. Yes, that's uh, $40 for Friday the 13th, 60 bucks for Outlast, and $900 for the PlayStation. Wow, that's a thousand dollars. 
Well, <laughs> Stacy has an Xbox. I must. I, Outlast will be out for Xbox. Oh. So, so will you be picking oh, up this I'm title? Yeah. I'm telling you, like the first, so far, the first person horror games I have are The Evil Within, which I still have yet to complete, but I've been too terrified, and um, Slender: The Arrival. I've been too terrified to continue, but I love them. I love these first person horror games and I'm, I haven't played the first Outlast, so I really have no idea what this Outlast is about, but watching the trailer and the game through for Outlast 2, I'm just like, oh my, I, I'm like, I was just like creeped out by it. <laughs> I was so creeped out, like I have to get this game. <laughs> And just, just imagine playing a game like that in VR. That would be awesome. That would be what so terrifying. And I'm telling you, VR gaming is going to be the future for gaming. It's going to be the future. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I am too. I cannot wait till I can afford PlayStation 4 and VR because of course it's not on Xbox One right now so I have to get a PS4 to even get VR but or play VR I should say so I cannot wait till I can get it yes and mind you the new Resident Evil Biohazard is in VR ah and then uh, Biohazard is following its roots back to survival horror gaming so it looks like it's a good time to get a console <coughs> oh definitely <laughs> i can't wait i'm gonna have to find someone who can like help me play and everything but <laughs> i'm definitely gonna try because i'm one of those ones who i will start a game and i'm like okay i'm too afraid to finish this can you finish it for me and i'll watch that person finish it and I'll take all the credit for it. Oh wow. That's 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 <laughs> not how you enjoy the game. No. I'm that person. I was it's like, oh yeah, I finally got past chapter two. Uh no, you didn't. He got past chapter two. Oh well it's my game. I paid for this game so I got past chapter two. Thank and, you very much. And it's on your gamer tag and you get the trophy on your system. Yeah. Exactly. Cheater, exactly. cheater. Cheater. I paid the money, so I'm taking the credit. On <laughs> <laughs> that, but no, I, seriously, I've been um, I've been trying to get back to Evil Within and everything, and like finish the game. That game is terrifying. I think I'm like the only one who gets terrified of video games. I mean, I could watch a movie anytime, but I get terrified of this video game. Yes. <laughs> I what I used to do, I used to turn off the lights, put the headphones on, and play Dead Space. Well, let me tell you, I I can't count the many times I screamed like a like a like a little kid. Very. very oh yeah! Tough, Don't ever play the Evil Within with all the lights out. I had a nightmare the very first day. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> do that. I'm glad these the these publishers are going back to its roots. Very glad. This is what survival horror gaming is all about. Trailer Reviews Star Wars The Last Jedi Just breathe 
darkness. The trailer for Star Wars The Last Jedi, well, actually it was the teaser trailer, has caused so much eruption across the internet. This has got to be one of the most popular trailers to drop in 2017. Now, if for those who haven't seen the previous chapter for the Star Wars trilogy, we have Rey who discovers where Luke Skywalker was hiding at in the mountain. He was a recluse. And while all these battles have been going on, Rey, I guess she's going to go into her training so that way she could defeat the evil forces of the Empire. So I'm pretty new to the Star Wars uh, franchise. I just recently watched the whole series last year in, uh, during Thanksgiving. So if I'm making a mistake in my commentary, I apologize. But I know Kylo Ren, he's supposed to be this new uh, deadly force. Uh, sort of like what Darth Vader was and I'm not gonna go into detail because I'm new to this whole concept so for the trailer I'm very excited to watch this film let me tell you the, the, the previous chapter I went to see it we went to see it Anita and I and I actually fell asleep I mean that the massage chair because the the sound effects was so intense that the chair was vibrating I mean the chair put me to sleep I thought it was on a vibrating chair a recliner but uh after watching it during thanksgiving i have an appreciation for the franchise so Inid, what do you think of this new trailer for uh star wars have you seen it this teaser uh basically we remember the film uh luke skywalker he was discovered and uh, uh now uh, we have a new jedi that's going to be taking over the force what do you think? I mean, if it's the same way as the other one, I'm quite sure that you'll be the one falling asleep again. Because it was you who fell asleep, not me. It was so loud in the theater that the chair was vibrating and it felt like it was a massage chair. But actually, it wasn't a massage chair. No, it wasn't. It was just the surround sound system yes, shaking the chair, which apparently Mr. Atus fell asleep. Yes, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the trailer. No, I'm just trying to re <laughs> reassure that it was you who fell asleep because you used the word we. We is two. It's more than one. I didn't fall asleep. I saw the whole movie. Okay. Fine, I'm using French. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Okay, <laughs> Stacy. <laughs> All right, Stacy. <laughs> I know you've seen the teaser for this one. Have you been following Star Wars? Have you seen Star Wars? I have never seen a Star Wars unless you count Family Guy something 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 Dark Side. <laughs> that does not count. No, no darn. Yeah, no. I've never seen a Star Wars movie ever. I uh, see I was I was just the same and I always get these strange looks like if I was an alien from a different planet I'm like, hey it doesn't attract me I prefer Star Trek not Star Wars so I've never seen Star Trek either oh it's not that it doesn't like that it doesn't like I don't like it or nothing like that or it doesn't attract me I just I've never seen it. wow I thought you was actually getting into the Star Wars movies me 
Character, so he's a good guy and a bad guy, and both for the very bad reasons. And there's very rare that you see a character that is well developed that way. That said, Kylo Ren is such—I mean, that's the worst character in Star Wars. Worse, he acts like a baby. Oh my gosh, he's so annoying. And that mask—I mean, put the mask back on your face, buddy. I mean, you're not terrifying. He, he 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 has his face that he took off his mask and he's trying to act tough. And he's like, dude, come on, please. You're making me laugh. Come on, put that mask back on. No, whoever came up with that custom design for Kylo Ren should be ashamed because it looks like a paintball mask and a cape. Come on, really. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> you know what? That sounds like a baby guy something something dark side. <laughs> it's, like, it's like yeah, but it's like Quagmire. Yeah, you're not that convincing. Please put some clothes on. Thank you very much. And go that way, Stewie. You're Darth Vader, so you're cool in my book. Okay, next. <laughs> wow. Mind you, Stacy, there's some hardcore Star Wars fans. A coworker of mine. After he watched the trailer, I said, "Dude, do, do, do you want some tissues? I mean, I thought he had an orgasm here, right next to me." I'm like, "Relax, relax." He was so excited. I was like, it's uh. just a teaser. He was actually stopping the frames, looking for clues. I'm like, "It's <laughs> a teaser." Oh, just... old man, old man Herbert will get you there. He'll make you look for tears. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't relate all this to Family Guy, but it's like, wait, that sounds so familiar. Oh, that's right, it's a spinoff. Okay, I forget it was Family well, Guy. Well, one of the best spinoffs, and I know Anid <laughs> would agree with me. One of the best spinoffs to this day, Spaceballs. <laughs> what is Spaceballs? Oh, you have to watch Spaceballs. It's from uh, Mel 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 Brooks. Ah, uh, that was comedy. That was so hilarious. Uh, you have to watch it. It's just so many funny parts in that film. If you thought Family Guy was funny, check out Spaceballs. Yeah, I'm getting a nod from Edith because we I saw it the other day and I was. Laughing, hysterical. It's so funny. Spaceball people just getting hit with balls. Pow, pow, pow. No, that's so wrong on so many levels. Mm -hmm. The mummy. Because of your actions, this ancient power has returned. Because you were chosen. Chosen? By what? Evil. I saw this trailer. And the way this trailer starts, for a second there, I thought this movie was about a war. 
And then all of a sudden, some soldiers get swallowed by the ground. The Hohen Bells and Egyptian mummy. And of course, as curious people that they are, and the need to investigate goes down into the hole. Once they are, they unleash the evil in it. As there is a flying, as they are flying in a plane, a flock of bird goes right into them and everyone is dead right after. One of the members, Tom Cruise, wakes up and he saw he's alive because he was chosen and that's where his torture began as the mummy starts to torment him. Here's some of the storyline. So safe, safely entombed in a creep deep beneath the unforgiving desert, desert, an ancient princess whose destiny was unjustly taken from her is awakened in our current day, bringing with her malevolence grown over millennia and terror that defy human comprehension. Some of the cast is Sophia Botella, Tom Cruise, Annabelle Wallace. Director is directed by Alex Kutzman and written by John Spates and Christopher McCare. This movie will be releasing in theaters on June 9th, 2017. What do you guys think about Tom Cruise and the Mummy? Tom Cruise and the Mummy? Yep. They're making a mummy. The mummy is kicking off the Universal Studios monster uh, epic film which Universal Studios is gonna do their version of the Avengers but instead of superheroes they're using all of the movie monsters so here we are starting with the mummy then we have Dracula the Wolfman the Invisible Man and all those other very cheerful looking guys so Stacy, uh, what are your what are your thoughts of the mummy? And plus, the mummy is a female, not a male. So what do you think about that? Oh wow, that's a big change. Um, I remember the mummy with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. I mean, wow. Um, I don't know what to think about all this. It's so such a sudden change. Um, oh man. <sighs> Do I really want this to be remade? I mean, I, I, of course I know it's been remade before that. I mean, the mommy dates is back as, whew, what, the 1930s? <laughs> yeah. So, yes, it's old, but do I really want an, another mommy movie? But Nicolas Cage, on the other hand. Let's talk about Nicolas Cage. He's actually a great, he's a great actor. He's a great actor, so um I don't think Mr. Oh, no, has wait, to say no, 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 sorry. Okay, scratch <laughs> that. I mean Tom Cruise. Why am I thinking wait, <laughs> Nicholas Cage? Nicholas Cage, like hello, that was the ghost. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for okay. Let me get back to it. So Tom Cruise, who is also a great actor. Who's also a great actor. Tom Cruise's father's, you know, I mean a lot of great films you can't deny that you know so uh, russell crowe <laughs> russell crowe is great so um i guess i'm just interested to see how this plays out i don't know if i'm excited to see another mummy movie but given the cast it's like all right well 
it's one of them cast allies where it's like, okay, well, let's see how this goes, you know? Well, Tom Cruise, mm. he does, he does action. Tom Cruise does action movies very well. And the only, the only movie that was carrying him was Mission Impossible. So it's good to see that he's not sticking to that Mission Impossible franchise because then he's going to be stuck in that role forever. He so, already stuck in there. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, it's true. He's stuck in there. But hopefully the mummy will dick him out of that hole because he's lost his pers persona as a well-rounded actor. Oh, will break him. What? Oh, it will break him. Exactly. So we're uncertain. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that they picked a female for the mummy. That's really, that's pretty cool. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been better if they would have named her Anaxunamun? Like the other girl, instead of being him, is her wake being awakened? Well, they, I'm not sure if they. So where is this mummy is gonna? What's the story behind this? I don't know. If the other mummy had to do with Anaxunamun and the mummy. I'm not sure. Mm. This is universal. I don't know if they borrowing from that other films that with Brendan Fraser, or they just starting fresh. So let's just see. And have you seen the mummy in it? The, the pictures of the mummy? No. Yeah, she it looks she looks badass. She looks badass. Let's see if we can put up a picture before we close this segment. <coughs> and uh, yeah, I'm 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 feeling this. Let's see. We're on INDB and uh, we're pulling up a picture of the mummy. Look how badass she looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she is the actress from our favorite film. Uh, remember that favorite film that she was uh, the assassin? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know who she is. From the Kingsman, the exactly. girl with the, with the uh, blaze feet. Yeah, yeah, she was awesome in that film. So, yeah, I'm I'm feeling that part. But let's just see how how it plays out, especially with Tom Cruise. Uh, let's see. The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch is coming to theaters June 23, 2017. The romance sci-fi is directed by Anna Lily Amirpour. She also writes the script. The cast stars Jason Momoa from Game of Thrones, Diego Luna from Rogue One, Keanu Reeves from The Matrix, Jim Carrey from the number 23, Gioni, no, Giovanni, Rabisi from Avatar and Stooky Waterhouse from Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. The synopsis, a dystopian love story in a Texas wasteland and set in a community of cannibals. The Bad Batch trailers play slow, 
but dramatic and intense. It follows Arlen, per portrayed by Suki Waterhouse. She appears to have survived a brutal fight or battle, just, but just barely. She stumbles upon a group of people where she develops personal relationships with Miami Man, portrayed by Jason Momoa, and The Dream, portrayed by Keanu Reeves. She develops a taste for vengeance and seeks to find revenge among an unrevealed person. The Bad Batch has already gotten some positive feedback among critics. It stars a stellar cast. What do you guys think about this? Have you seen the trailer? Yes, I saw the trailer for The Bad Batch. <coughs> um, I'm not sure what to make of it. I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on there. Are they set? It looks like they're set in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, are they trying to do a Mad Max type of thing here? What are they actually fighting for? Uh, there has to be some type of conflict. I'm, I'm uncertain what's going on and what's the purpose and why the girl is just the center of attention in this in this film. It can't be just because she looks pretty. There has to be something more than that. So. I'm not sure. Uh, I would have to see how you know the full feature. I don't think the trailer is doing this this film justice in, in serving interest visually. So, Anid, it's up to you. What do you think about the about this uh, trailer? I haven't seen it. Guilty. <laughs> well, I agree with you, and actually, because in the trailer you see like she has one leg missing or a half a leg missing I should say so I wonder like did they kind of you know was that inspired by Planet Terror you know with um Rose McGowan who has like one leg and a shotgun for a leg or something like that's the vision I kind of got and I'm just like okay I agree with you Kim like what exactly is going on here you can't make sense of much from the trailer itself you can only assume what's going on, but it doesn't really answer much. Yeah, it doesn't. And I don't go by trailers anyway. They don't have influence me. So when I watch a trailer, I'm always looking for the cinematics and the acting and the CGI. I mean, they always show that in a trailer. So you could base your assumption how the film is. But for this, I mean, the acting looks good. Uh, the cinematography looks okay. It's just there's no story. What's what's going on? Well, what are they fighting for? I don't know. They, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Just like Hyenid says all the time. Hey, stop <laughs> taking my phrases. <laughs> the survivalist. Would you be able to spare some of your crop? There's more than enough. That's what they all thought. We can offer something in exchange. How long have you been here? Seven years. Always alone? Shut the door. She likes you. Do you like her? Next up is The Survivalist and the film is directed by Stefan Fingleton and Fingleton 
also serves as the writer. The synopsis reads as follows, in a time of starvation, a survivalist lives off a small plot of land hidden deep in the forest. When two women seeking food and shelter discover his farm, he finds his existence threatened. Judging by the trailer, this looks to be a very intense thriller that deals with a home invasion concept in a, in a certain way, but not fully that uh, the guy has to survive against uh, uh, an, uh, an approaching threat like assassins or home breaking. Here we have two women who look to be uh, one is an elderly woman and the other one is a young pretty girl uh, which is portrayed by Mia Goth which mind you I'm just gonna plug it in I met Mia Goth I interviewed her for her film A Cure for Wellness so if you want to check out that interview stop by dkmag.com and uh, yeah I'm not the survival looks, looks deep it looks like a mental psychological deep thriller so that that's what's working for this film and the horror sequences is very minimal but you got a sense that something is happening that this elderly woman and this very attractive young girl they're up to no good and this survivalist uh his life is being threatened but I, I'm assuming that he doesn't know until the last minute and the survivalist is portrayed by Martin McCann and check this out even his role the protagonist doesn't even have a name he's just called a survivalist so that's pretty interesting right there uh, yeah I say this film is I say this film is a go I, I'm, I'm, I'm very amazed by the acting the subtlety of the camera work um, the pace of it so yeah have you seen the trailer in need for the survivalist no I, I just had it up here hey how, what are you looking at uh, I was distracted by something yeah else. distracted right what are you but on? it seems like something that is already been done before I don't know I don't, I'm trying to put my finger on it it seems familiar it was like a girl what girl? It was probably has to do with a girl. But I well, remember something that well, was similar. Look at to her. That. Look at the the elderly woman. She her face looks sinister. She's up to no good. And of course, Mia Goth. She's always plays this innocent girl. Cause she always she has that little innocent face. That's why. And let me tell you, she's such a soft-spoken actress. I mean. Yeah, this this role definitely fits her. So, Stacy, um, have you seen the trailer for The Survivalist? No, I have not. See, oh. she's joined me on this one. Oh, I'm come sorry. on, guys. You're making me bad here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, so it definitely sounds like a drama. That's it. Cool. Now go jump into your comment. <laughs> into your segment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> The Midnight Man. This is not gonna end well. Where'd you find this place? Dr. Holman recommended it. Yeah, what's up? I just need to tell them you're gonna get them their money. Well, I don't have it. Hello? Are you still there? Kyle? 
This is our weekend. No phones. What's gonna happen here? That depends. See, I have this thing about order. I like my clients' books to be nice and balanced. <laughs> the Midnight Man is in production. No official release date has been announced. Um, although IMDb gives a date of 2016, there is no exact date stated. The comedy horror thriller is directed by Aitor Erebari. The script written by Kamal Moon. The cast stars Ken Faree from Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Wendy Weldon from Lizzie Borden had an axe. Tommy Day Carey from Days of Our Lives and Tony D. Stesch from Summer School. The synopsis, hoping to fix their dysfunctional marriage, a couple travels to an isolated mountain cabin to work out their problems. But, when, but the one problem they didn't anticipate is the maniac trying to kill them. The Midnight Man trailer is very dark and intense. It follows Jessica, portrayed by Wendy Weldon, and Kyle, portrayed by Tommy Day Carey. They take a much-needed vacation in an isolated cabin. The agent they are renting from, Hamilton, portrayed by Ken Faree, is expecting payment, which they don't have. This brings about complications and a very unsatisfied agent. Jessica suggests playing a game called the Midnight Man. A night of fun and relaxation turns into a night for survival, or a fight for survival. The Midnight Man trailer is very intense, especially towards the end as events starts to play out. I speculate that it's a boogeyman tale of some sort, similar to that of Candyman and Bloody Mary. Based on the trailer, this would be a successful yet creepy film. Ken Faree plays exceptionally well, as can be expected, longtime horror icon since Dawn of the Dead. He has given us many notable films, so he is very he is a very exciting addition. His character alone is always creepy, so I have high expectations for this film. Uh, what do you guys think of this trailer? Well, um, I'm gonna have to agree with you, Stacey. I think that the Midnight Man does play into that urban legend, like Candyman. But I wonder, does the Midnight Man, Candyman, Slender Man, Bye Bye Man, do they have? Where did they get the name from? I mean, they all have... <laughs> come on, they all sound the same. Then you go to Superman, Batman, come on. Hey, 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 just so you know, <laughs> Superman is out of this, okay? <laughs> all right, Batman too. We already know how Batman... Well, wait, how did Batman... He was bitten by a bat, right? Okay, yeah, <laughs> Spider-Man, bitten by a spider, Superman. I don't know, he's just an alien, whatever. But the rest of these are just like, wait, what? The bye-bye man. Why is it called the bye-bye man? Yeah, no. Man. I mean, they should come up with some <laughs> more original titles than just the something man. Uh, the running man. The running man, look at that. No, don't bring back the running man. That, that was a very horrible dance. No, no. That dance crazy dance no but seriously uh, the midnight man does look like those urban legend films and uh, yeah I think this uh, the only thing that I see carrying uh, carrying this film is 
the veteran uh, of course from dawn of the dead his acting and his contribution to horror is like his fascinating um yeah i not so sure about this film I, i'm only leaning to our very favorite veteran actor who is uh just carrying this torch for this film and that's about it i think the concept is uh tired already they should just come up with something different uh isolated cabin in the woods and you know uh these curious caucasian cast that has nothing better else to do with their time than to just conjure up spirits you know it's, it's played out it's, it's very it's tiring uh what is so in closing remarks what do you think stacy um i can agree with you i mean heck how many boogeyman films have we seen but on the same token Wait, what was the last, like, kind of boogeyman, you know, short film I just reviewed? Uh, Madam and, Madam in, was it Madam in Black or Madam in Darkness or something like yes, that? Yes, Madam in Black, yes. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't bad, though. You that know, was great. Of course great. it was a short film, but that wasn't bad, so. Right. You know, like, I always say it's not really so much the idea or the concept or anything it's more so the execution right you know is it exactly so is it gonna be different or are you gonna be just like the rest that's really what it comes down to right you're absolutely right yes i agree <laughs> i agree so any any comments on the midnight man no no comments Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for another exciting episode for DK Mag Podcast, Season 4, Episode 4. My name is Ken Artus, founder and editor for DKMag.com, and I was joined by... Eden Artus, content contributor. Stacy Cox, staff correspondent. And be sure to stop by DKMag.com, D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com. And also, we have some affiliate uh, programs, so if you want to support us in any way, please be sure to stop by and uh, click on any of the side panels. You will see Amazon and Shutter and GameStop, so any, any sales through those links, uh, we earn a commission through those sales and that puts some change in our pocket which keeps our website running, podcast running, and also... You can follow us on iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Google Plus. And don't forget we're on Stitcher. Be sure to rate and review DK Mag on Stitcher rating and reviews and help us rank. Thank you very much and tune in next time for another podcast episode.